Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. Welcome back to the next edition of the Unity Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Cathy, and we're going to jump in today because we have a fantastic guest who has a unique story, and there are two points coming out of that story that I think are really going to stick with you and help you throughout your career. So we're going to hop right to it. Our guest today is Vera Kretcher, who is from Texas Instruments. Thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. You may remember, I think, uh, gosh, man, it was one of our first episodes that one of Vera's old co-workers was on the show, Marcus King. Shout out, Marcus. Um, he was fantastic, and he did so good. And now we're like, well, we got to get Vera on because both of them are fantastic people. They're great clients of ours, and so we really appreciate you being here. Well, I'm hoping to live up to the standard that he has set. Okay. Okay, good. We're not going to let him watch this, okay? Because he wouldn't be able to get out of the doorway. His head would be too big to get out of the doorway. Um, all right. So first off, tell us, you know, Stu, you know, I always started out with a little two-minute infomercial on Texas Instruments, which I'm sure most people in Texas are going to know what they do, but... Well, I think... Every single person that um, asked me, you know, where do you work? And I said, you know, Texas Instruments. They all had the same reaction. Oh, I had one of your calculators. <laughs> and then they go into like, depending on, you know, how old they are. They're like, well, it was that yellow model with like, and they start looking up like, yeah. is the model still in production? So like everybody knows that we make calculators and what they don't realize is that's just a fraction mm -hmm. of what we do, a very small fraction. and. Um, we're a semiconductor company, and so when you think of, well, where do we use semiconductor conductors? The answer is everywhere. I mean, mm. any, anything from your smartwatch to your TV to your car. I think everybody remembers the COVID years where we had a big car shortage, mm -hmm. and there were cars standing on the lot waiting for a single chip because without the chip, the car wouldn't drive. And so that's what makes Texas Instruments so exciting to work for is because we're touching everything and yeah. we're, we're being a part of everything. You're right about the calculator, because I'm sitting here. When you said that, I hadn't thought about this in years, but I was like, TI-82. I think that was what my, that was the first thing that came into my mind when you said that. And I think of them as, you know, I actually think of uh, wafer fabrication plants mm -hmm. because my neighbor worked in one. And so he would always talk about the plant that he would work right over here, um, which makes semiconductors. Yeah, and we just finished building um, our second wing to the wafer uh, fab in uh, Richardson. Okay. And we're building four more in Sherman. Okay, awesome. Well, that's all the construction. I just drove up there and we're looking at it, me and my business partner, Greg Barentine, and we're like, what is going on with all the cranes back there? Yep, that's And that's us. probably what it is, Texas Instruments. I'll have to tell them that. Very cool. Okay, so Vera has a fantastic story that we're going to get into, and it and it starts with, and we were talking the other day, and I was like, how do you, how did you get into accounting? Like, what landed you in accounting? And it actually starts with most people, as it does, is their childhood, and you know, maybe not having quite the direction that they thought. We're not going to be a baseball player for me, or a ballerina for some, or a horseback rider. And so we're going to let Vera tell us a little bit about her story. And as I mentioned, there are two distinct points that I think are really applicable that people can apply to their own life. So you got to tell us, like, how did you, in fact, how did you land in America, which I think is an awesome story that you had told us because it was unexpected. 
That is right? correct. From yes. your mom, it was really unexpected. Yes. She tricked you. Well, she, she forced my hand, and then I think at the end it ended up backfiring on her. Okay, okay, um, so tell us about it. So, as everybody can probably tell from my accent, not a native Texan or um, American. Um, uh, I was born in Ukraine, um, and um, it's interesting because most uh, Europeans, we know a foreign language to a varying degree of proficiency. And in Ukraine, English is uh, typically taught in fifth grade on. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was six, my mom said, well, do you, would you like to learn English earlier? Would you like to start earlier? And when you were six, you're like, sure, English yeah. sounds Why cool. not? And um, they enrolled me in the school. It was a specialized school with a profound English program. And that meant that we basically had three hours of English every week um, from first grade on. Um, so uh, they were, my parents were very serious about me learning the language. I regretted it like after the first year because they enrolled me in all these extracurriculars. I had private tutors, like my whole summer was ruined because I had to do like an hour <laughs> of English every day. And I said, I kept telling myself like, why am I spending all my time on English? When am I ever going to use it? Mm -hmm. um, so shows how much I knew. Yeah. Um, and so uh, my mom, she kind of wanted to figure out, well, like how good is my English? Would it really cut it in the real world? And uh, the way she went about finding out is uh, she found out about this program that the U.S. Department of State is sponsoring. It's called uh, Freedom Support Act Future Leaders Exchange Program. Shout out to all of my FLEX alumni. Yeah, that's that might be a long name. Oh, my gosh. Yes, FSA FLEX. Uh, and the intent was to take the kids that showed some leadership potential uh, from the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union countries, mm -hmm. and uh, take them to the U.S. for a year, uh, put them in the American family, have them go to American school, um, have them experience mm -hmm. American life, and then we would go back home and presumably in our future leadership positions, we would kind of promote that America's great, American people are great people, mm -hmm. you know, we should all get along. Um, and um, the selection process for that involved a very extensive English testing. So the first, there were three levels. The first one was just to weed out people that didn't know what they were doing, they just wandered in. The second level took, you know, several hours and then it was months of waiting. And then third level, you were talking to psychologists to figure out, you know, can you survive the culture shock? How oh, adaptable wow. you are, can you live with a family that you've never met before? And so, again, my mom was like, go, just take a test, you know, let, let, let's see how good you are. And you can only uh, participate in the program if you are a junior or a senior in high school. Okay. And so... Is, it, is a junior and senior in high school equivalent age as the junior and senior here? No, uh, it would be younger. So okay. um, it would be 16 and 17. Okay, okay. And so uh, the first time I had a chance to take the, the test was my sophomore year. And I showed up to the place, I looked around, I couldn't find where to go, and I just came back home. So I didn't take the test. My mom was very disappointed. She's <laughs> like, you could have asked. Yeah. Uh, clearly, I wasn't very adaptable at that point. Yeah. Um, and so the, the next year, she's like, okay, you know, go and take the test. It's your only chance. Um, and so I went, and I, I passed the first level, which that was kind of expected. And then um, I took the second level, which was very extensive grammar, comprehension, um, writing. And so then months went on, I passed that level, and I was selected for the, um, 
last level when you were talking mm-hmm. to psychologists and all that. And at that point, my mom was like, okay, well, your English is good, but I'm not sure where this is going. Yeah. Um, but still, I don't think she ever seriously considered that I would pass. And so when I got that phone call, and it was in May, to let me know that in August I would be going to Texas yeah. um, for a whole year. And I, I told my mom, she, for, her first reaction was, are you sure that was not a prank? Yeah. <laughs> like, are yeah. you sure that was a legit call? And I said, I'm pretty sure that was, that was legit. And then she said, are you sure you want to go? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, You're the I, one I, that pushed me to do this, Mom. Exactly. Like, I, I put all this time and, and energy and, you know, uh, of course I want to go. And um, so I went. And um, actually, now, now that I'm a mother and I have a daughter um, who is much younger than 16, but still, I, I, just, I can only admire my mother for having the bravery to let her 16-year-old mm. daughter go to... Um, America. America, um, Go yes. to Texas. Yes, yeah. Which was like quintessential America. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, so I, apparently I was adaptable enough to, um, to come to the U.S. Who'd have thought? Yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought? I think that's crazy. You say you admire your mom. I do too. Like having older kids thinking about that. But just the fact that you're like, she really pushed you to do things where at the time, you know, you're a teenager and it's like, seriously, I don't. Like, I want to go play. I want to have fun. I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, you're really pushing me to do stuff. But it's almost like she had this foresight, even though maybe she thought it was a joke and you wouldn't be able to get in. But it, it, that's really... Uh, well, my, my parents had a penchant for, you know, uh, demanding excellency from their children. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this was just um, one of those things that was just expected of us. Of course, we're going to do well. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Good for... Good for mom for, for doing some of those and for you. So you come to Texas, mm-hmm. Flower Mound. Flower Mound, yeah. I went to uh, Flower Mound uh, Marcus um, uh, Marauders. Yeah. That was their mascot. Shout out Flower Mound Marcus Marauders. Yes. Let's go. Um, and uh, I lived with a wonderful family, um, so got the, the full um, experience. And um, one of the people that I met during that year was um, my U.S. history teacher, mm-hmm. Ellen Tillotson. Um, and um, we got pretty close because she was really interested in uh, my take on some of the events that she was teaching, Cold War, mm-hmm. uh, all of that. So we, we spent quite a bit of time just outside of um, the regular lessons time talking. And then she said, you know, if you ever want to come back and go to college here, you can just live with me. Um, I mean, UNT is just an hour away, and um, I think that's going to be great. You should mm-hmm. do that. You should really look into it. Um, and again, I called my mom and I'm, I said, what do you think about that? And she said, well, if you can get accepted, why not? Yeah. Again, if you can do that, yeah. maybe. Um, and so I, I drove to UNT. I, I, took, I had to take uh, TOEFL, which was Test of English as a Foreign Language, okay. um, for all non-U.S. applicants. And um, obviously, I had to take SATs. Um, I, again, took it only once. Didn't really have a chance to take all the prep courses, but again... Um, apparently got a high enough score to, to get accepted to UNT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I had to go back home because um, the terms of the exchange program were we had to go back. We, we couldn't just stay. Um, and, of course, I wanted to go back home. I haven't mm-hmm. seen my family in a year. And so I went back home. The, the plan was that I would come back and, and start going to, to school. But um, then 9-11 happened. 
And so my mom was a little terrified uh, of letting me go. And um, we decided we're going to wait a year. We're going to push it by a year. And so they enrolled me in a Ukrainian university. I, I um, enrolled in a, a business administration degree. Um, and then when a year um, went by and I still wanted to go, um, I flew back to the U.S. And I, I ended up staying with Ellen and her family for five years until I got engaged. That is phenomenal. So you well, actually, I want to pause for a second because I keep thinking of this in the back of my head. Like, you know, you mentioned it, former Soviet Union, mm -hmm. right? And you're coming to America as a foreign exchange student. Like, mm -hmm. What was the general census of America, sense of America in the Soviet Union? Like, I can't believe you're going to America or, oh, my gosh, you're so lucky. I'm sure it depended on who you talked to. Well, it's interesting because one of the things that they prepared us um, before we went was this culture shock. Like, things are going to be very different. Um, things are going to be different from what you're expecting. Hmm. Um, and I feel like the perception at the time was... Uh, it's going to be difficult for you in America because you won't be able to make human connections because people in America are not as genuine. They're not, you know, when you get a smile from somebody, it's because um, that's expected of them. Like service workers smile because it's their job, but you never get this authentic smile. And um, in, in, in Eastern Europe, uh, the neutral expression is not a smile. Um, yes. and, and so I was kind of expecting that you know, a little bit of loneliness. And it was surprising because I meet this wonderful woman who just opened her home to me. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I stayed with her for five years rent free. She essentially introduced me to everybody's her Ukrainian daughter. And so this gave my mother a really good example. So every time somebody would say, well, America, you know, those fake people. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, what about this person who yeah. just did that? And. Um, so, so I think that was the big expectation that turned out not to be true, is, is how much easier it was to make those human connections um, than I expected it would be. Well, we, we gave a shout out to your mom. What was her name, Ellen? Ellen Tillotson. Ellen Tillotson. Yes. Like, Bob and huge, Ellen Tillotson. Like, we need more people like her in the world because that is like, that's a giver um, and sees potential in people and we need a lot more of that. So um huge for that and you because you are a teenager and you're coming to america and you're going to classes and you're sitting in a classroom with you know 25 other people and you're a foreign exchange student i could just i could just imagine like if i try to put myself i've never been in that situation but my heart would be pounding out of my chest worried about am i going to make friends and all those other things and that just takes guts and courage and a boldness um, to be able to execute. It's something that we all need in our lives, in our career. We're going to all face some point in time in our career where we just, we know it's the right thing to do, but it takes guts. You either do or you don't, and you have to have this courage and, and guts to, to do something. And you have that in droves because you've had to execute like that. And I think that's something that I don't even know if it was one of your points, but I'm sitting there trying to put myself in those shoes and I'm like, oh my gosh, what, like, that is really good to hear. I want my, I want my two daughters to listen to that. That was one of my points. The, the point was you really got to take a chance and never self-select out. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I, I feel like you will never know until you try and it's always better to have a regret that you've tried it and you maybe didn't get it or you got it and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be than to wonder 
well, had I tried to go for it, what would have happened? Well, and here's the thing, like you still did all the, like, um, if I, if I remember this correctly, you were doing your, your education at UNT and you were also doing a college degree plan, like you're doing in, in the Ukraine, right? Yeah. So my mother, uh, didn't fully believe in the value of American education. And so she, she thought I needed to have a backup plan. And so my backup plan was I was supposed to have a Ukrainian degree from, from a school that would be accepted. Um, and, and the plan was always that I would get my business degree here in the U.S. and go back. So I would be working in Ukraine. Um, and so I basically switched from in-person uh, enrollment to virtual way before COVID. Yeah. Um, it was early 2000s. Yes, I was one of the first. Um, <laughs> the, the only caveat was that... I had to go back in person every summer and take all the finals for all the uh, classes that I, I took virtually that year. And so the first time I did it, I remember I, I basically had this two-week window to take all of these finals, um, and I, I, I took all of them. I passed all of them. And then um, we um, finally got to have my, the summer break, so we drove to my grandparents' house. And um, I remember falling asleep and then my mom waking me up and saying, are you alive? And I was like, well, of course I'm alive. What's, what's the problem? Apparently, I slept for two days. I, I just crashed from, from all that mental wow. exertion, and she couldn't wake me up for two days. So she would check on me to make sure I was breathing. Wow. Um, and then uh, finally, I woke up, and it was like late afternoon. So I, I had dinner. I went back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> How could you even go back to sleep again? Like, oh, I, I, I had two weeks worth of sleep to catch up on. So. <laughs> Okay, so so you kept doing school mm -hmm. both times, and uh, and somehow you landed in tax or accounting as the degree plan, right? Yeah. So when you are an international student, um, you are not eligible for in-state tuition. You pay out-of-state tuition no matter how long you've resided in the state. Um, however, there is a pretty big exception to that, and that is if you get one thousand dollars of mm -hmm. scholarships you get an in-state tuition waiver, which basically means that your college bill gets cut by more than half. And so each year I made it my mission to earn the, the $1,000 in, in scholarships because my parents were paying for my education, but um, I don't know if you remember the early 2000s, but the worldwide economy was not doing too great. And yeah. so I was worried about the financial strain that was putting on my family. And so I was looking for all these scholarships and um, the Department of Accounting had a $500 scholarship just for declaring your major as accounting. And that got me half the way there. Yeah. Um, and um, I was like, okay, where do I have to sign? How long do I have to remain accounting yeah. major? Um, had you already declared a major that was different than uh, accounting? So initially I was going to be just general business general administration. Di okay, okay. Um, actually, at that point, uh, it was going to be economics. Okay. And uh, economics was uh, College of Arts and Sciences, okay. um, which meant that they did not have a lot of um, scholarships, okay. uh, whereas accounting was College of Business Administration, a uh, different uh, mm. scholarship pool. Um, so I, I dropped economics to a minor, um, and uh, I chose um, accounting as my major. Um, and then uh, I just stuck with it. I, I ended up really liking it, although that raised another question because getting a degree in accounting and learning U.S. GAAP 
um, doesn't do you much good if you were planning to work in Europe. Exactly. So, so that basically um, raised the question of, okay, well, what am I going to do with this degree? Uh, and uh, one of the things that uh, was part of the curriculum uh, for all accounting majors was um, an internship. Um, and um, you had to apply for internships. And basically the expectation was that you'd, you'd go do an internship with like a big four firm. And uh, if you don't screw up too badly, you'll have an offer. And so you'll graduate and you, you'll have a job. And so um, I decided to go that route. Um, I've um, applied for um, the internship, submitted my resumes, didn't get any callbacks. So I basically told myself, okay, well, maybe that's not my path. Um, and then um, I uh, went to some alumni mixer. And um, uh, I was um, mingling and somebody told me, hey, let me introduce you to so-and-so. Um, well, I can say his name, uh, Kyle Bibb. He was the uh, partner at KPMG at the time, uh, UNT alum. Mm -hmm. And we chatted for um, maybe 15 minutes, uh, not about accounting or, or, or tax or anything like that. Um, said our goodbyes and then two days later I got a call saying would you be available to do an office visit with KPMG um, I was like office visit I, is, is that like the first step for interview yeah. but I didn't question it so I, I, I went they, they put me in this Weston there were a bunch of other kids from other schools um, and everybody was acting like we're here to get our internship offer and I was like okay maybe they'll interview me on the yeah. side <laughs> maybe they're trying yeah. to catch me up um, and so the first, uh, um, uh, the first night we just had this dinner and next morning we go to um, KPMG office and they put us in this big conference room and um, the, uh, I think he was the lead tax partner um, at the time in Dallas, um, Joe Norville, uh, he goes, well, just to you know, get this out of the way, all of you have an internship offer. That's how you found out. That's how I found out that I actually got an uh, internship with KPMG. From uh, from having a conversation at an yes. alumni mixer to you have an internship. That was it. Yes. Um, apparently, <laughs> and I found out that later that, you know, after that conversation, Kyle went to whoever was making those decisions and said, you know, put her resume we need, in we the need file. This. We need her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, uh, again, this, this is the second person that I can credit my professional success to. And again, purely by, by chance because... I yeah. might not have gone to the mixer or might not have talked to him. Yeah. When, when, if you would have gone back to Ukraine, is it, is accounting a common like career path? Like when I think of the U S I do think, you know, accounting, oh yeah, I mean, we need them everywhere. We, we don't have enough accountants right now. Is that the same way in Ukraine at the time or? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, my mom was an accountant. <laughs> My mom and my dad started out as engineers during okay. Soviet Union, and then Soviet Union collapsed. My dad opened his own company, and my mom was the accountant. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically, uh, that was the boom of small business, and yeah. everybody needed an accountant. But again, it would have been Ukrainian Gap or IFRS, so I would have totally yep. had to switch. I mean, the only common thing is debits on the left, credits on the right. Yeah, yeah. Everything else would be it different. It would have been different. Um, so I was glad that I was able to get that KPMG internship um, yeah. because that that meant I did not have to relearn all of my yeah. accounting principles well I mean that's the thing once again and it's one of the things that you had talked about don't self-select out put mm -hmm. yourself in there because how easy is it for us to not go to a networking event 
um, and just go, man, I mean, what's, what's it use? You know, what's the use for me? I mean, who am I going to meet? What's going to happen? I'd rather, I'm a college student. I'd rather go to the game or, you know, go sleep or whatever the case. I mean, it's just so easy to not do those things. And it takes courage to put yourself outside of your comfort zone and go th do those things. And, and you did again, right? You, you put yourself in the mix and look what came out of it, right? You achieved, you didn't think you were going to get the internship and you achieved <laughs> an internship not. and it was a total surprise to well, you. It wasn't the intent, right? Yeah. To begin with, we were, I, we were talking about Dallas versus Fort Worth. And what, what was common is we both preferred Fort Worth to Dallas. And I guess that was enough to- I think to most people, most people I know actually do prefer that still to this day. That's not the point of it, but it's such a, I mean, the things that you learn during that, it's like, um, you know, said differently, that scenario, that scenario is you're a college student and you're going to an alumni mixer and you happen to meet someone and you're not talking about accounting, like you said, and tax, you're talking about Dallas against Fort Worth and which one do you like more, which, and a, a different way to do that is in the workplace mm -hmm. is, you know, stand up, get away from your cube, go talk to a sales department, go talk to the engineers go talk to someone else, like put yourself outside of the comfort zone of where you're really like, and actually talk about something that's not related even to your job, but actually have, be curious, get to know someone mm -hmm. else. And the things that can unfold from that can surprise you like you were surprised. Yeah. And, um, it, <clears throat> it's very obvious to us. So, um, my background is international tax and, um, when uh, working for TI, a lot of the people that I was initially getting my information from, they were based overseas. Um, I, I started out at TI as the um, international compliance manager. And so when you just exchange emails, um, it feels a little stilted. Mm. Um, you, you're not sure, you know, is this person, are they receptive to what I'm asking? You know, are they annoyed with me? Are they, um, uh, are they busy? Am I interfering? Um, and one thing that made a huge difference is um, we uh, had a tax workshop in Asia. And so I got to go and I got to meet some of those people in person. And they were some of the nicest people. And um, we, you know, went out, we looked at um, cool things around, they showed us around, we went to restaurants, we talked, we talked, they showed me their kids' photos. Um, and that completely changed the dynamic mm -hmm. because now when you're sending an email to somebody, you know exactly who, who is going to be responding. And, and you can say, hey, how's your kid doing? You know, they're playing table tennis. Didn't they have a match? How did they do? And it, it kind of makes it more genuine. Um, yeah. And then they're also <clears throat> more likely to respond. And um, I, I feel like it's, and it's not transactional, right? It's just you take a genuine uh, interest gosh. in a person. Yeah. And so uh, I, I feel like it's, it, it's made a huge difference. And so I'm a huge proponent of actually getting to know people that you work with yeah. on a personal level. Yeah. It's so easy right now. So like people who are beginning their career, you know, they, I, you know, we, we talk about it all the time, even on the show, we've talked about it a number of times for is your, you know, the kids nowadays, like they're born with a phone in their hand. Yep. Like they know how to opt my kids are older, but they're so the way they can fly through a phone. Like I'm, I watch and I'm like, I could never do things that fast, you know? And, um, and so all the communication is a text or it's a short video clip or a reel or whatever it is. 
And I feel like that can hurt people in their career when they get started and they're starting to move forward because um, there's a diversity in the workforce. There's multi-generations in the workforce. You've got boomers who are in the workforce. You've got Gen X who's in the workforce. You've got millennials. You've got all the a, a huge range in the workforce and we all operate differently. So if you're only willing to operate your way, you're missing out on so much knowledge transfer that you can get and wisdom that you can get from a generation that's older than you. And if you're in the generation that's older like I am, I need to be okay with doing the things the way they are doing them because they they can shortcut problems that I'm going to manually try to face. And they're like, oh, no, all you got to do is bump, 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 and it's done. And they're using technology that I can't do. And you have to open yourself to, to I, I don't know, just allow yourself outside of your little world and try to create a relationship and a partnership and get out of your cube or get off, um, get off email and talk to them on the phone, like you said. Yeah, uh, I heard a phrase that said there is diversity and then there is inclusion. Diversity is when you have people that represent different backgrounds, different cultures, gender, race, what have you, but they just coexist. Inclusion is when you acknowledge that each person has something unique about them that adds value mm. and you're actually leveraging what it is that's unique about them. Um, so it's not just, you know, you learn how to tolerate each other's differences, but you actually appreciate those differences and you, you appreciate that your team is stronger because all of you are so different. I love that. I think that's great. You know, sometimes I battle with this in my own head. And, when, and so like when we hire, we do have a little test that we give people um, because we want to see, you know, the results on the test. Um, but I, I want to be careful about and I, I talk about being careful. of We don't want to hire all the same people. Mm -hmm. Like we need people who think differently, who are challenged, who are going to challenge, or we're not going to grow if we don't get people who challenge the norms and push us to think differently and be differently. And and I really feel like we need that more. So I like those tests, and I'm always just a little bit of keeping my eye on it, you know, to make sure that we don't fall into the trap of just hiring everybody that thinks the same and walks the same and acts the same, because mm -hmm. that's a detriment to any organization if we do that. I agree. What, so there were two things that you had. So I'm super curious because one, I love your first one because I mean, you can go through the list of just putting yourself out there. You know, one was your mom thinking, okay, I'm gonna make her put herself out there. And then you kept doing it. You actually did come to the US. You actually did come back and live with someone else to go to school. You actually did go to the alumni event or you wouldn't be sitting in the seat that you're sitting at at Texas Instruments and having a great career that you have right now. So. I think that's phenomenal. What, what is it? You said there were two points. What's the other? The other point is more when you're kind of on the other spectrum, and that is that you have to pay it forward. Because we all stand in the backs of people that came before us. And so um, one of the things that I acknowledge is I have all this experience, and I've um, kind of made mistakes that made me learn, and they were painful in the moment. And if only somebody was there to tell me that, you know, don't do that, uh, I would have gotten where I am much sooner. And so what, what it made it really clear for me is um, I was doing uh, some mock interviews at UNT. So they ask some professionals to come and interview students as if it's a real interview, and then you provide feedback. And there were a few things that, that 
people kept doing that, had this been a real interview, would have really hurt their chance. And so being able to provide that feedback and say, okay, do not share this information or, you know, do not, do not self-select out, do not mm -hmm. start with, you know, what your weaknesses are, what you're not good at. Um, so that, that was one thing is being able to share that knowledge and how we all have to do that. But then also looking back at all the people that took a chance on me and made such a difference in my career, I've only named two, but there were many more. Um, just being able to be in that person that sees potential and then you take a little bit of your own time and energy and, and maybe, you know, give them a little boost to see that potential realize. Um, and you can do it at any level. I mean, we all have um, the ability to, to make a difference in somebody's life. Obviously, the more experience uh, you have, uh, the longer you are in your career tenure, the more ability you have to do so. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to wait till you're getting to a certain point to start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's leadership, right? I mean, everybody's a leader. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody is. Even the new college graduate that you've hired. Uh, or in a role that they didn't have to have a college degree. I don't know why we're limiting to that, but you have a role that they don't have to, like that person is a leader if they choose to, and you can learn from that person because they've made mistakes that you're encroaching upon, even though they're younger than you, and that's okay, and you can learn from that. And then I love the point that you made. I, I just sent an email out to my team probably 30 minutes before we came here where, you know, our mind, talking about fear, right, um, of... You know, I may be in a generation where I only want to text someone and I don't want to pick up the phone and call them and create a relationship because that's a little bit scary because what if I don't have the answer? Mm -hmm. And that creates this fear of not doing that. Whether you're in a sales job or you're in accounting and you don't want to call the person that, you know, is having trouble running their department to talk them through why you're accounting for things the way that you are. And that fear can keep us from executing on that. And and our minds are so powerful that we can tell ourselves a story that we start believing, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's not going to work because of this, this, this. So I'm not going to do that because that's wasted effort. And now you just never will. And, you know, the way I like to think of those things and the email I sent was, I want to learn from people who have already been there and made all those mistakes. So I don't have to make those mistakes and people who are better at my job than I am and surround yourself with those people and learn from them. That way, you're, you've just shortcut your path to success. Exactly. You know, and if you can be the person, like you said, paying it forward, giving that knowledge, hey, I've been there. I know what you're facing. Here's what I did. And if I had to do it over again, I would have done it this way. Mm -hmm. You can shortcut people's path to success, whatever their definition of success is, and career satisfaction, right? And I think that's so valuable and you gave great examples of how you've been able to find that in your career path in just the short you know 20 30 minutes that we've been talking now i think that's awesome um so i'm curious if you were to if it, a lot of times when we wrap up the show we talk about tomorrow can someone do something tomorrow to uh to change their path or start something tomorrow that's really practical that they could implement, what would that be? Find one thing that scares you and do it. Um, actually, it doesn't have to be something as complicated as I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to try yeah. out this new career. 
but you know, raise your hand for a project that you wanna wanna try. Don't self-select out. Mm. Uh, just let them tell you if you're missing some skills, and if you don't get it, take it as a learning experience. But if you do, own it. Um, or you know, if if there is a person that you're having trouble getting information from, and it's always via email, walk over to their desk, and and meet them, and and see if you can build that connection. Uh, so, it challenge yourself in some way that makes you uncomfortable, that pushes you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I love that. That's easy to do too, right? I mean, it is easy to do. It's well, it's simple, not it's easy. Simple. That's what it is. It's simple, but it's not easy to do, right? Because you have to convince yourself. I love that, Vera. Thank you so much for joining our show today. I hope you thank had you a good time. Me. I did. Good. Well, you have a fascinating story. I've learned a ton from it. I love the idea of pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. I think that's huge. I think the other points that Vera brought up are big. I love Vera's story because she forced herself outside of her comfort zone continually. But let's not forget she put in the hard work to make it work for her. You can force yourself outside of your comfort zone, but you have to have a willingness to put in the hard work to make it work for you. And that's one thing that we didn't talk about and it's there in spades for Vera, and it can be there in spades for you if you put the work in and push yourself outside of the comfort zone. So with that, I'll leave it there. And thank you so much for joining us every other week on this podcast. This was episode number 42, and we'll be back with 43 in just a couple of weeks. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.